everybody. Welcome back to Complex Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and once again, I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson. How is everybody doing this week? All right. Um, I'm still staring off into space in utter disbelief, but other than that, you know, pretty good, I guess. I'm still alive. <laughs> Do, doing good. better than Alex Bregman currently, you know? <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm very excited that uh, Mets Fan Fest is next weekend. <laughs> Definitely nothing awkward is gonna happen. <laughs> very happy I was able to get a pair of tickets to that. That's gonna be fun. Oh, you have to tell everyone how it went. Write oh. an entire. You you have to write an entire piece on Amazing Avenue about it. I'll, I'll figure out how to, the logistics of this, but maybe I'll, I'll like wear a GoPro as I walk around and you <laughs> all can just watch on, live. Yes, stream it on Periscope. <laughs> yeah, that'll probably make some interesting uh, that'll definitely be an interesting day there. I, I'm, I literally can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um, so for Promote Extentrade this week, Born in 1883 was Enoch Johnson, who was better known as Nucky, and he was the famous political boss that ran Atlantic City and was portrayed by uh, Steve Buscemi in Boardwalk Empire, which is, I think, a pretty underrated HBO show. Uh, So of these things associated with Atlantic City, what are we going to promote? What are we going to extend? And what are we going to trade? Steve, I was born to do this. <laughs> All right, well, that's good. I, I that's mean, good. the only thing I, I could think of is that that one Futurama reference. You washed up in Atlantic City, as, as we all do from time to time. That's <laughs> <laughs> so some shit, guys. <laughs> we got uh, we got saltwater taffy. We got Monopoly. The game. We have the game, yes. And of course, the number one thing associated with Atlantic City. Donald Trump. Oh no. Oh boy. <laughs> Hashtag so, politics, Steve. <laughs> I think uh, we are all going to unanimously agree who is being traded. I, I wish we had a stronger word for it than trade. Can yeah. we trade to the moon? DFA. Did you get to start, like, failing in New York City first, and then he went on to failing in Atlantic City? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. So if you've ever been to Trump Plaza, it is literally, before they took his name off of it, it was literally falling apart at the seams. And I think that's a fitting metaphor here. That sounds about right. So Sounds about right. Literally, like, the only reason we used to go there is because our friends never got carded before they were 21. So (laughs) Also sounds about right. (laughs) Literally, the only appeal of the place was that they did not give, you know, a single solitary... I'm not going to care, I guess, <laughs> about laws. <laughs> All right. So basically, what are we promoting and what are we extending between Taffy and Monopoly? I think they both have some – they bring some stuff to the table, both of them, but there can be some drawbacks. What do you guys Taffy say? Taffy sucks. Oh, come on. Um, uh, I'm a diabetic. I can't have Taffy, so let's oh. uh, extend Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at Monopoly, so I'll extend that. Uh, I, I too, enjoy Monopoly as a board game person. So, yeah, extending Monopoly and begrudgingly promoting Taffy, despite the fact that, once again, it sucks. Look, it's way better than uh, the alternative. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, but also, seriously, let's get a candy that's uh, was not invented in, like... Uh, 1802 or something like that please <laughs> but it's so good it's not have, it's... have you guys ever been in an extended game of monopoly yeah of course yeah all right have you ever been in an extended two-person game of monopoly as in well, see that's started... your mistake steve <laughs> like did it start with just two people or you just no it's two? it started with multiple people yeah. and basically it was just me and my brother and neither one of us were willing to concede. And we played Monopoly by ourselves for about one and a half, two hours. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. Oh. <laughs> you two like, hours. Steve, you've never how have picked... you not? I was expecting really? you to say you were in a game for three days or something. Yeah, that would have been something. 
I've been like, in a game of Risk for multiple days. Yeah, you, you, all right, that, that. You, you guys have never played, like, Diplomacy or something like that, like a real mm. board game that lasts... I have Diplomacy, but I've never played it. Yeah, it's like, uh, three hours is, like, one turn in Diplomacy. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know, geez. it's super long. Huh. All right, so, well, then, it's pretty much unanimous, except for me. We are extending Monopoly. We're promoting Taffy. And we are trading, uh, we're trading Donald Trump. And so. before the hashtag stick to politics comments, or stick to, <laughs> stick to, fuck, hashtag stick to baseball politics. comments. No, no, this isn't about him as a politician. This is about him as, you know, it one of the matter, worst Ken. figures. It literally does not matter, Ken. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right, so vote Bernie 2020. Last week, we were uh, reviewing our 2020 prospect list. And just to recap, 25 is Alexander Ramirez, 24 is Jake Mangum, 23 is Ali Sanchez, 22 is Stanley Consuegra, 21 is Daniel Nunez, 20 is Adrian Hernandez, 19 is Riley Gilliam, 18 is Dyson Acosta, 17 is Tony DeBrell, 16 is Jalen Palmer, and 15 is Freddy Valdez. And I think next week I'm going to have to maybe not do this entire thing because it's going to get kind of wordy at the end. It's many names. Yeah, yeah. But um, good list. It's just like depressing to hear that yeah. list, honestly. <laughs> it's so bad. There's like well, three usable big leaguers. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe this list of 1410 will get you a little more excited. We have Junior Santos, Harold Gonzalez, Kevin Smith. Joshua Wolf and Chervian Newton. Is that going to inspire any more uh, confidence in you, Lucas? No. Oh. Uh, I feel like this is infinitely more interesting than the names that came before them, at the, oh, at the yeah. very least. Yeah, it's let's get into to... it, and I'll, and I'll be the Debbie Downer the whole time, as I so often <laughs> am, you know? Like, just got to stick least, with the hashtag brand. At least, at least, like Ken said, we are getting to, like, the interesting territory now. We're, we're halfway done... And we're we're on the uh, we're on the good side now. So first we'll go over Junior Santos. He was signed as an IFA out of the Dominican Republic in 2018. Um, the Mets signed him for $275,000. They were a little aggressive. A lot of times when a team will, will sign a, a an international rookie, they will just kind of let him sit out the year. But the Mets assigned him to the DSL team in 2018. And, you know, he, he did pretty good. And they actually sent him stateside at the end of the year, uh, playing with the GCL Mets. And then they continued being aggressive with him this year. They signed him to Kingsport. He was one of the youngest players uh, in, in the league, in the Appalachian League. And he pitched in 14 games. The numbers themselves were not that great. Um, it was a 5.90 ERA in 40.2 innings. He allowed basically more than a hit per nine. He walked 25 and he struck out 36, which is not good. But Santos is extremely young and he is one of the hardest throwers in the entire uh, system. He's... Pretty big. He's six foot eight. I think that qualifies as pretty big. Um, and the fastball ranges 90 to 97. It settles in about 94, 95 or so. When I was down at Kingsport, my gun was saying uh, topping out at 97. But the the players that were sitting next to me that were charting with their own gun, theirs it hit 99. So it could you know maybe theirs was a little more accurate. Maybe mine is a little bit more accurate, but regardless of the actual number, he's you know can touch the upper 90s with some regularity. And then um, complementing that, he has a kind of slurvy breaking ball. Um, it looked more sliderish, but you know it might kind of develop into a curveball or a slider. There's still plenty of time for him to you know. Um, tighten it up and just kind of develop it. And then he also throws an okay changeup. Uh, doesn't really have too much movement yet, but he throws it, you know, about 20 miles per hour differential, and he doesn't really 
change his arm slot or slot or arm speed or anything like that. So if he can get some movement on that, that could be a, a pretty devastating pitch. The command isn't the best, um, but again, he is still really young. He's still developing his pitches, so that's something that can come in time. And um, outside of Matthew Allen, I'm going to say that Santos is probably the most exciting pitcher in the system. I think that even though Wolf has maybe more pedigree, I think, and, and obviously put up better numbers, though at a, a lower level, I think that Santos is, is a bit more exciting than Wolf, just because, you know, the, that there's a lot of potential. If he can work on the command a little bit, if he could tighten up his slider slider or curveball, whatever that's going to become, and kind of work on that changeup a little bit, that's, that's, there's a lot of potential in that arm. Yeah, we, we can talk about the potential there a lot. This is just not a profile I get very excited for. Like, There's a lot of outcomes here. Oh, yeah. I, I I I understand why why people who see it in person go gaga over it. Like I get it. Lucas, he has legs for days. <laughs> yeah, no, I I get it. I I really do. Like he pat like eye tests, sniff tests, uh, whatever other sensory tests you want to propose. I'm I'm sure he he passes it with flying colors. Um, just uh, I I feel like because of that he he this is a profile that gets overrated very often. Um, and I don't know, it seems like a, a guy that that's mostly just velocity and size right now. And, and without a whole lot else for me to get excited about, it's not like he has a good one, good secondary. That's particularly good. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, it just doesn't do it for me. So personally, I, I like Wolf better. Um, hmm. I'm not sure if I have a particularly good reason other than, um, you know, feel for a curveball is something you can't really teach. Um, so I'll take the one of the lottery ticket arm speed guys. I'll take the one with the better secondary at present, I guess is, is where I, I fall on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Santos has more upside. Sure. It's just, you know, I mean, the, really the, the mechanics are. And mechanics and body are less relievery, what ha- what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 my my main point here is just that the these guys who aesthetically look so appealing are are overhyped compared to what the actual uh, baseball skills are. Mm-hmm. I think very often, and I feel like that's what's happening with with Santos right now, based on both his performance and and what the the reports say. I feel like he's a a kid that a lot of systems would have at like 20 to 25. Yeah, I was just going to yep. say and, that. It's like a victim like, of the system being kind of... Eh. Yeah, like we're almost by default have to be excited about someone who throws this hard because he mm-hmm. might be the hardest thrower in the system. Fair. It's also it's also and, worth noting, like he's he's literally the second youngest player in the Appy last year. Exactly, uh, yeah. And the youngest was Francisco Alvarez. Like, they were yeah, but the, of, different, the difference there is we're getting excited about... Years. And you know that might not be a good reason, but like we're getting about we're getting excited about Alvarez because he's he was good, right? Like, okay, yeah. you're young and you sucked. What is <laughs> what does that mean, really? Like, but it's also, not like he's young and he held his own. It's you were young and you were awful, which really only indicates that the Mets probably pushed it too hard. So I'm, I'm gonna basically um, I, I was gonna I was I've been thinking about writing a thing about this at some point in the future about Alvarez if I get another look at him this season. But like the Appy has a way of turning you know molehills into mountains. Mm-hmm. Like see Mark Vientos right he put up he had an excellent statistic season in the Appy and regressed a bit after full season ball. I don't know that we should be taking numbers from the Appy as particularly meaning anything. Right, just like when we say if a player has a really good season, like okay, that's good, the numbers are there, but you know, you you like to see it, but it's whatever. You can say the same thing about the opposite. When a player does bad, you don't want to see it, but yeah, it's whatever. So, like Lucas, I I think you make a valid point. Um, oh, I don't yeah, know yeah, if yeah. I don't know if we would be excited about him if this were a different system. 
That's fair. And I don't know if excited is the right word to describe it, you know? Um, I would say interested, maybe. Interesting, like, yeah. Basically, like, there's a chance he ends up very good. There's also a chance he burns out before he gets into A ball. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> let, and, let's put it this way, right? Like, I would rather the Mets have targeted arms like this when they traded all their relievers away, right? Because this is the kind of prospect you should get when you trade that kind of player. He's functionally no different than Catalina, who they traded. Right, right, Hawks. exactly. exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. You take enough of these lottery tickets, one will work out. Mm-hmm. And right now it looks like the Mets have exactly and one. They have exactly <laughs> one. And hope to God it works out. because And like, you, it yeah. might, because sometimes you buy one lottery ticket and, and you win. But, yeah, and there's a lot to like here. He's got yeah. very clean mechanics. He's, you know, very, very big in ways that speak well for his future development, particularly that most of his height is legs. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, me- the mechanics is one of the things that I'm a sucker for. Like, I watched Wolf and I was like, reliever. And like, oh, no, yeah. And like, I'm going to probably think that forever. Like, even if he ends up being a starter, I'm going to be like terrified of it. Like, you still think that when you look at Chris Sale? So uh, you know what? I'm a, I'm a little afraid he's gonna fall apart. And like, <laughs> and, and and honestly, like that's a good fear to have. <laughs> like it, for every just, one Chris Sale, there's a thousand guys without those mechanics who are yeah, not absolutely. Sale. Sale was one of those guys that like I was always saying that oh it's he's gonna blow out his arm and that's it. And he never really did. Like he was hurt last year, but like it wasn't to the point where we should. I, I think we should be worried about him going forward, but. For the most part, like mechanics are a thing that that when I see clean mechanics and a repeatable delivery, it's like ooh, and he throws hard. It's like ooh, yay! And the Mets don't have anyone like this, and it's like let's go. Like this is actually someone to really focus on. When, like I said before, in another <laughs> system, like this is like oh yes, this is the sixth person we have who's 17 and could do this because that's just how the Mets have operated. We system. we operate like a you know, professional baseball team. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. The, exactly. The, the funny, the funny thing I, I'm, I'm sitting here and trying to remember what the actual rankings I submitted were because Lord knows I don't remember them at this point. Oh yeah. Um, but, but I, I think my overarching point is that we get excited about the, the upside here and, and somehow discount all the risk and then overrate him relative to a guy like, uh, I don't know, like, well, DeBrell had a good season, I would say DeBrell. But, like, I don't know. I don't want to say Harold because that's a little different. But but overrate him compared to guys who are definitely less upside but closer to the majors, um, like Kevin Smith, I guess. So what I would argue to that is um, the upside is what you really want out of these guys, even if they're not going to record, even if they don't realize or actualize on that potential. The potential is what you want in minor leaguers because, you know, you can find a Kevin Smith reliever for nothing. Mm. You know, can, you're, can you're chasing you upsize, upside because or you you can find I mean, Kevin Smith, What I, I honestly think he's a loogie. You could find a loogie for $2 million on the market pretty much at any, any time. You would also like to have that for free. Like, not, yeah, not for free, so, but like... Yeah, you would like for, to have it, but the reason the why minimum. I will always chase upside in guys like this is because the potential for reward here is where the super, you know, the, the extreme value comes from. Yeah, that's, that's a, a fair good, point. That's you know a good conversation point. for... Uh, maybe future episode, maybe after we're done with the list, talking about the things that we personally no, value. I mean, oh, yeah. I, also, I'd like to say that that take could look very dumb in a few years. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, sure, but also it, you could look like a genius in a few years when you yeah, get on the high upside kid and he's a superstar. And you're like, yeah, oh, and, but I, I think the, the point stands that, like, that that's personally a bet I'm willing to make nine times out of ten because, you know, you hit one time out of those ten and it, it's completely worth it in terms of surplus value and what you're getting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For what it's worth, Lucas, you ranked him at 16. Where did I rank? Well, well, my my question is more: Where did I rank him relative to the other pitchers? And I don't remember. But the bigger uh, point being Wolf, that I Wolf is right behind him. You okay. had him, Wolf at seventeen. You had Smith a few spots above him at fourteen. Okay. All right, so my internal logic is consistent at least. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, there's kind of a big blob in this system in this range, and ordering them is extremely arbitrary. But yeah. 
Yeah, that stuck. It was something you said in Slack, Lucas, that stuck with me back then. We it was just like we were talking about the back end of the system, and you were like, mm-hmm. "It's all the same." And yeah. I was like, "I was like, yeah, like I like we could have the rank everyone completely differently." And I'd be like, "Yeah, I know why you ranked him at." Uh, I'm pretty sure that you rank like the top seven in this system, and, and maybe you swap a couple of them, but it's fairly set. And then after that, it's like, whatever, yeah. whoever you want, yeah. like, like yeah. whoever is your personal choice really right. there's no it's, real it's like, literally yeah. all arbitrary like <laughs> yeah none of this has any meaning it's all gonna look extremely different in a year <laughs> oh yeah uh it's just a fun exercise to do and and yep you know that's one interesting thing one kind of fun thing about the system being as weak as it is there's a bit more turnover if you want to call it a bit more variance year to year than you would if you had a pretty strong system where you know the top let's say you know 10 even maybe 15 is kind of like static and then you have these second tier guys you know filling in yeah but it's kind of fun when you when it's just such a free-for-all like uh the met system is right now there's more room for like guys to fly up out of nowhere and be like a legitimate prospect in the Mets system and that's kind of fun in like a in like the looking at the silver lining for having a bad system type of thing yes all right uh let us take a quick break here and we get back we will go over the next couple of prospects in the system welcome back to from complex to queens i'm steve saipa and i'm joined by lucas vlahos ken levin and ken Ken, oh my god let's start (laughs) over (laughs) I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Anderson. All right. So we just spoke about Junior Santos. And next we're going to go over Harold Gonzalez, who is kind of the opposite of Santos in almost every single imaginable way. Uh, Santos is a huge guy. Gonzalez is, is kind of uh, slim, you know, six six foot 160, which is not that big in baseball terms. No. Um Santos has a has a huge fastball. Harold does not. His fastball sits about you know ninety ish, you know ninety to ninety two, you know on on a good day. Um, Santos command is not really that great. Harold he's you know he's able to command pretty much all of his pitches, um, and he has a, a pretty big arsenal. Um, they're all pretty developed. Uh, jumped the gun a little bit there, but so, you know, Harold's been in the system for a while, um, steadily has improved basically every year since he's been in the system, which has kind of been fun to watch. I don't really think that there's anybody, been anybody else that you can really, you know, if you, if you had a, a stick to measure like the incremental improvements, I don't think there's anybody in the system that you could really see as much as Harold. How many, how many straight years have we had him on the 25 at this point? Like five? Yeah. Six? Yeah. I just want to say that this is the content I crave. Um, <laughs> everyone loves Harold. But, you know, um, he kind of put himself on the, on the map in, in 2015 when he was with Kingsport. And, you know, there's good reports of the stuff. In 2016, he was with Brooklyn, and obviously Brooklyn um, is very – pitching in Brooklyn is very helpful for pitchers. And Harold basically uh, almost won the New York Penn League triple crown. He went 7-3 and three with a 2-0-1 ERA and a league-leading 88 strikeouts. I think he needed just one more win that year to actually win the triple crown. Uh, he got promoted to Columbia. You know, the, the numbers trended in the wrong direction, but it's still okay numbers. Um, he was promoted to St. Lucie the next year in 2018. Stuff looked pretty good. He was promoted to Binghamton, and then just everything kind of fell apart. Um, and now this year, he started the year in Binghamton. Stuff looked good. He was promoted to Syracuse and, you know, kind of figured with the way everything was going into International League with the, the ball kind of flying out of the park and offense spiking and everything that, you know, a guy like Harold, who doesn't have 
premium stuff, he would kind of get whacked around, but surprisingly, he didn't. Terrell's pretty good in Syracuse. He had a, a 2.68 ERA in 40 innings. Uh, the strikeouts were down, which is not great, but I mean, the results, you know, the results were there, and this close to the majors, you know, you you the numbers do kind of matter, so it's good to see results. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fastball is not the best. The the secondaries, they're not the best either. It's basically everything he has is kind of average across the board. But sometimes players like that, they just kind of are better than the individual parts. And, you know, hopefully Harrell, when the 2020 season starts, he'll probably be in Syracuse. Hopefully he's able to continue pitching well there because he is probably like 6th, 7th, 8th, somewhere around there in the death chart. So if the Mets call him up, something, as we've said before in the past, either something is going very well for him or something is going very wrong for the Mets. And, you know, that's one very good outcome and one very bad outcome. So You're trying to think who's actually ahead of him. Lockett this... might be. Like, yeah, according so I to think the... that's... Uh... I think I mean, that's yeah, the interesting question here is, is he better than Walker Lockett and those guys, uh, the, you know, the guys that who have historically been the, the depth starters? Lockett, I don't know. Like, I would rather him be called up than those guys. Oh, like, hard same. Yeah. yeah. So yes. like, just because we've seen those other dudes and it's hasn't been good. So I'd rather give someone else a chance, really. Like, if we're being honest, like the, the and he's been steadily improving for so long that giving him a shot is it's the good thing to do, I think, like of reward for hey, you've been you've been good in our system for a while, so you deserve to be on that list. Like, I also that. don't see him as appreciably worse than any of these options, so why not throw the different one in to the mix? Yes. Yeah. Realistically, you're starting at seven already because they signed both Waka and Puyercello for whatever reason. Um, I mean, Peterson, I would say, is probably ahead of him just because the numbers oh, yeah. are the numbers might not be better, but the pedigree draft pedigree and the stuff is better. So he would be ahead of him. I mean, I'm owing, but Peterson is probably is probably better than Harold. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. I would say 100 percent he is. As much as we'd like to deride Peterson and, and love Harold for non-performance yep. reasons. Peterson's, Peterson's going to have a 10-year career. Yeah. That, yeah. That's going to happen probably. Just lefties pitch forever, you know, uh-huh. his pedigree, how much they, they paid to sign him originally. Like, he's he's going to get chances that Harrell is not. So, oh, yeah, and, so, Har- so Harrell and for his minor career, he hasn't been bad either. Yeah, he, he's hasn't, never, he bad, hasn't been at good. At times, looked good. Yeah. Um, now, so most Harrell's of those like times eight. he's looked good have been, yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll get there in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so Harold is like behind the front six, and then Peterson, and then it's sub mishmash of Harold, Oswalt, and Lockett. We, yeah, I asked this a couple possibly. weeks ago. Lockett out of options. This is. Some, I will consult the Google. Yeah. <laughs> I let, let, let us consult the Google on that. If it came up a few weeks ago, I don't think anybody's actually cared enough to look. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I I am on Cot's contracts right now. Uh, continue talking so that. <laughs> yeah. We'll <laughs> play the Jeopardy theme while Ken uh, acquires this vital information. Uh, just like Butcher Pete, I don't think we have the rights to that either. Oh God. I know. Uh, does humming count in terms of? <sighs> I don't want to get sued, so let's. Let's not do it. Jazz whistle is not the way to do this. Apparently, no. I think you have to use roster resource. But I'm, uh, I'm spot sure he, uh, I think he is out of options, which then begs the question of what the hell happens to Walker Lockett when I mean, he should probably not be here then. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, he's probably going to get DFA, uh, not DFA, but like waived or whatever at the end of camp, and then and then a team like the Orioles will. Yeah, he's either going to get claimed by a terrible team to eat innings or he's going to go to triple a like i don't I, I don't even think a terrible team will claim him to be quite honest with you like i don't but i Probably also not i mean like i just don't see it at all and uh-huh. 
I don't know who else could, but the Mets did enough to trade for him, I guess. So it's true. In, insert rant about projection spreadsheets and their uses yeah. and not yeah. uses. <laughs> in, in all fairness, they tra- he is out of options. Um, okay. They traded. Uh, oh, we're also forgetting Stephen Gonzalez. So good. Gonzalez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always want to say Gonzalez, but it's A-L, not L-L-A. It bothers me. So so he's also probably ahead of Harrell. So assuming that Lockett gets the boot when he doesn't make the roster out of spring training, which he shouldn't, uh, then it's Corey Oswald and and Harrell for that like eighth, ninth spot on the depth chart, which is almost certain to get some shuttle innings or, or even a spot start or two. Yeah, that's about right. No. They well, might, we, they'll probably fight it fight it out in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoever whoever's better at the time that we need an arm. Yep. Yep. Look, oh. we love Hyro, but he's probably not a great starter. I don't know that he'll be any better than Corio Swall, but it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. He's just he's just likable. So yep. more than and, you can say about a lot of guys that are, you know, eight, nine, ten in the depth chart. Yep. And when you're down that far, it might as well be fun. Exactly, exactly. All right, uh, next up on the list is Kevin Smith. He was drafted in the 2018 draft in the seventh round out of the University of Georgia. Uh, Signs for uh, $222,000, which was about $300,000 less than slot value, and was sent to Brooklyn that summer. He pitched pretty well there. Uh, started three games and pitched at the bullpen for the rest of the season, posted a sub one ERA in about 23 innings. He was sent to St. Lucie at the start of last year, and he was surprisingly good. Um, 17 starts he made, and he posted a 305 ERA in 85 innings with 83 hits allowed, 24 walks, and 102 strikeouts. He was promoted to double A um, at the end of July. And, you know, um, not as many innings in Binghamton as he had in St. Lucie, but the results are still pretty good. A 345 ERA in 31 innings, uh, 25 hits allowed, 15 walks and 28 strikeouts. It's the the peripherals trend in the wrong direction again, but, you know, end of the season, recently promoted to, you know, a much tougher league to pitch in. So, you know, that's fine. The numbers, you know, weren't catastrophically bad or anything like uh, Tony DeBrell's, so, you know, nothing really to worry about. Smith's stuff is not that great, especially for the numbers that he was posting. Um, That's kind of more, I think, minor league statistical noise as opposed to, you know, the truth, quote-unquote. The fastball is 88 to 91, which is not great velocity-wise, but it has a lot of arm side run because of his arm slot, which is very low three quarters, and it has a very high spin rate. So those are two good things that kind of make up for the lack of velocity. And as a left-hander, you know, left-hander doesn't need to be throwing 92-93 in order to, you know, succeed in, in the majors. Um, his best secondary pitch is a slider. It's kind of like a big frisbee kind of slider. Uh, which is makes it really tough against lefties, and he he's he's able to command the pitch, um, you know, working it pretty much top, bottom, left, right, wherever. And then he also has a changeup. Uh, doesn't really, it's not really that great of a pitch, but you know, it gives him another uh, option to just kind of you know change timing and just kind of get guys looking when they're you know. Uh, Get to trick guys, you know, when they're looking for a fastball or if looking for a slider. Um, you know, he's a guy that I don't, you know, if you said last year that you were gonna, if you said last year that Kevin Smith was gonna be, you know, a, a sleeper of yours, I would say that you're a liar <laughs> because really <laughs> nothing, you know, in his body work in college would have, you know, really said that he was going to do as good as he did in St. Lucie and in Binghamton. And then obviously, you know, Brooklyn numbers are very misleading. But it's it's good that he put up the numbers that he did put up. 
And I personally am still not, you know, sold on him. I think that he is going to be a lefty reliever at the end of the day. I think we all think that. And, you know, that's useful. You know, that is the goal of your minor league system is to develop players. And a problem with the Mets have had is they've not been able to develop these kind of like role players and from in-house. And as a result, they've had to go out and get guys and pay money for kind of stupid roles. So, you know, it's not an exciting role if he becomes, you know, kind of left-handed specialist that has the ability to get right-handers out. But, you know, it, it is a useful outcome. It's a good outcome and success, successful outcome, just not, you know, an exciting one. I think Thomas put it best a couple of minutes ago that while, yes, you're chasing upside in minor league players, it's also good to develop this guy internally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have I told my my story, my Kevin Smith story on the pod, where um I looked at the the gifts in John Trupin's article about him this year, and I literally thought he was Daniel Zamora because their mechanics and everything look identical to me. <laughs> mm, that's funny. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I have an obvious uh, weakness for for new age numbers, so the the high spin rate stuff interests me. Um. But like, you're right, the arsenal and everything looks looks very Lugie-ish. I also am pretty. Uh, I'm sure there is with some of those newer, new newfangled technologies, the teams have uh, both better numbers and better insights <laughs> on how to. Yeah, trash cans. <laughs> uh, have, have better numbers and better insights on 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 how to use them. And there are a decent number of smart teams who seem to just kind of blindly be chasing spin rate. Um, I don't know if that's just a byproduct of being cheap or or if there's some actual uh, uh, underlying reason for that that we just don't have the public-facing data to be uh, aware of. Um, So the one thing to be wary of with spin rate is not all spin is, like, good spin. Of course, right. I'm not sure – yeah, so that's why spin efficiency becomes a thing. And um, basically all the public-facing numbers don't, like, you know – adjust for spin efficiency right, so you can exactly. have a lot of spin that's not adding anything to the effectiveness of the of the the offering you know who was, who was i reading about recently that's like a poster child for this i know I dylan mean, cease has a problem with that yeah, uh, with the that, Sox, that he um has a fastball that cuts yep. more than it should and um would benefit from trying to in- tweak his hand position to get more spin efficiency um so yeah, that 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 tidbit catches my eye a bit about Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. It looks like they copy pasted Daniel Samora's mechanics, and uh, that's probably what he is. Mm-hmm. He might be a sleeper to get some time rather soon. Like oh, I like would that. imagine that he he ends up on the big league roster uh, at some point, if not this season, next. Like because he was already at Double A. If he's at AAA next year and he's still producing, because, I mean, he might be just one of those dudes who outproduces what we think he does, uh, mm-hmm. similar to Harrell, where mm-hmm. yeah. no one ever thought Harrell was going to be able to do this, and here we are. And well, if Smith well, does have that slider, mm-hmm. you might be able to just stick that in the pen and say, hey, throw that. Yeah. Like, put slider as number one instead of number two, and then he, there you go. There's your career. Yeah. And honestly, the Mets should do a lot more of that. Yeah. Guys who have one really good pitch... Like you look at guys on other teams, that's, that's how you get. Yeah, Seth Lugo mm-hmm. is. Well, mm-hmm. Seth Lugo is actually interesting because if you look at it, his fastball also gets extremely good results. Yeah, I know, but I'm like, I don't think he's a starter. Like I'm firmly in the no, camp. no, yeah, I'm firmly I think in the camp. Where he he's is. a reliever. Yeah, he's and either a top five reliever in baseball or like a middling back end of the rotation starter. For me, yeah. that map is very easy. Yeah, like he's like the high <laughs> high end version of what we're talking about here because yeah, I don't think Smith has the arsenal, but. Like, it's just one of those things where you have to make use of what the guy has, like you were saying. I also wonder if there's something to it, because there are always those guys that seem to outperform their stuff for whatever reason. And I wonder if historically that has been guys with good spin rate, because it's not something you can really see with your naked eyes. You're like, well, this guy's fastball isn't impressive, but it's blowing. it seems to keep working. And maybe maybe that spin rate uh, is a factor. 
you, you say you can't see it with your naked eye, but basically my understanding of, of high spin yeah. fastballs you, is basically you can. Oh, you can go back years and guys who talk about the fastball rising. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. exactly. Um, That's fair. That's a fair. Like I, I remember, uh, I forget who it was. It might have been Willie Mays who was talking about Juan Marichal. Yeah. And it's like his fastball would rise. That that's the that's effect. Spin rate, yeah. you're right, seeing. right, absolutely. But I'm saying that's probably a bit harder to see than oh no, wow, yeah, this guy's pumping yeah. 95 with and, it, and it's cutting in on hands or whatever, right? So that's right, right. It, it's just harder to pick up. Yeah, it's harder to game plan for too. I'm sure as a as a batter, like in the batter's box as it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an optical illusion. It's yeah. you know, mm-hmm. our brains are wired not to account for this. Our, our stupid, dumb lizard brains are... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, be, in be improv swi- circles, it's it's your your dumb mammal brain. Yep, <laughs> yep. Baseball brains. All right, uh, let's take another break here. And when we get back, we will t- uh, we'll talk about our last two prospects. So we will be right back after this. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos. Ken Lavin and Thomas Henderson. I did it. There we go. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> All right. So next up on the list is Josh Wolf. He was drafted this this past season, uh, 2019. He was a second round draft pick out of uh, St. Thomas Catholic High School in Houston, Texas, and um, very similar to the second round draft pick from 2018, Simeon Woods Richardson, a uh, guy that had a lot of helium coming into the draft out of Texas, pretty well-built right-hander, big fastball. Obviously, uh, you know, Woods Richardson was traded, not in the system anymore, but it's good that we have pretty much a carbon copy <laughs> to replace him. Um, so the Mets gave... Wolf, a $2.15 million signing bonus, which was $780,000 above the slot value of $137 million. And obviously his selection um, kind of got overshadowed when then in the third round, the Mets went with Matthew Allen. And, you know, luckily the Mets are able to sign everybody which is going to be a big boon to the system, hopefully, in in the next couple of years. But he was assigned to the GCL, uh, very limited innings. Obviously, you know, you don't need to really tax a high school kid. Um, But in eight innings, he allowed allowed nine hits. He walked one. He struck out 12 while posting a 3.38 ERA. And uh, so I was talking about Wolf's fastball before, and it sits in the low 90s. Uh, could top out as high as 97, has a bit of life, and he uses the entire zone. So good that, you know, things that you want to see. And then complementing the fastball, he has a slider, he has a curveball, um, and then his changeup. They're all kind of works in progress. The curveball is the best of all of them. It's in the high 70s, low 80s, and has pretty hard 12-6 break. Um, and, you know, in a year or three, who knows what his, uh, I'm, I'm sure that he'll still be throwing the curveball because it is a, a pretty good pitch, but, you know, he might still be throwing the slider. He might phase it out. He might still be throwing this changeup that he throws. He might start, you know, switch grips and throw something separate, but it's a pretty good, um, you know, frame and everything, six, three, 170 pounds, so he's tall and lean. That suggests that he might add some more muscle and either the fastball will sit higher or maybe it could even top out higher, possibly both, hopefully both. And really just the biggest knock about him is the mechanics, like we kind of alluded to before. They're pretty rough. Um, you know, it's kind of mechan- uh, uh, kind of relievery, hopefully though he will continue starting, you know, once he is eventually hopefully makes the majors. But if he became a reliever, I would not be surprised. And depending on the need of the team at the time and how well he takes the role, you know, it could be a blessing in disguise because he could, you know, have the, he, he could have the makings of, you know, uh, possibly a high leverage reliever dude, who knows? 
with projecting five years from now, a lot could happen. But yeah, it, this is again, like we were talking about Santos, this is a guy that in a better system might be further down the list. But in this current one, he is uh, 12. So go figure. <laughs> when I first so, saw when I first saw him, the first thing me, I thought 11. of was... What am I saying? <laughs> when I first saw him after they drafted him, I was watching. I was watching some of his stuff. And he looks exactly like Addison Reed, I feel. Like, <laughs> when he pitches, like, the first thing I thought of, I was like, oh, Addison Reed. And that was like, oh, no, that's a reliever. And that's a real... <laughs> and that's a really messy mechanical situation Mm -hmm. and like that's a pretty good outcome like it's not a great outcome because he was a second round pick but like if he's a high leverage reliever like that then there's worse ways to spend two million dollars you know yeah oh yeah for sure like (laughs) such as gavin the mets the mets have found worse ways (laughs) Um, oh for sure i think wolf's a big leaguer that that's enough for me Um, I mean, especially in this system, a big leaguer, that's enough for me, um, especially in this system. Like we can't really be choosers. I mean, yeah. and so I, I like the guy who I, I think is going to end up sitting closer to the high nineties than the lower nineties, you know, just given his, you know, he's, he's rail thin right now. If he puts on like a reasonable amount of weight as he gets into his twenties, like I, I think, you know, in short bursts. He's going to be closer to, to 95 to 97 than lower, you know? And if, yep. and if his curveball feel keeps coming along, then that could be a really dangerous one-two punch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have two questions related to Wolf um, for everyone. First of all, like, we're obviously very happy with how the draft turned out, given that they got Allen, uh, they even got McIntosh later on, whatever. But at the time... Hi, uh, after day one, when you're walking away with Beatty and, and Wolf, how did you guys feel about this pick, about picking Wolf? I personally, nah. given where, where I fall on the, the risk-reward spectrum, I like Wolf a little more than I liked SWR, particularly because I okay. think there was a little more um, projection mm-hmm. to go with the relievery mechanics. Yeah, what Richardson is kind of – he's not – I don't really know how to ex- say, say it. He I think is I, I described not, it as... Okay, go ahead. Sorry, Steve. Oh, sorry. He's not, like, thick, like, but he's just built. And I don't think that he's going to be growing much more. I think what you see right now is what you get. I, I don't think it's impossible that he adds more to his fastball. I don't necessarily know where it would come from. Right, exactly. In, that's a very good way of putting it. And you have um, some mechanical tweaks that might help, but that's not a guarantee. Wolf, it's very easy to dream on where it would come from. Yep. That this guy's yep. a stick figure at present. It's not unreasonable to think that as he gets older, he's going to put on good weight. A lot of Chipotle. Yep. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of double chicken. <laughs> chicken? Well, first of all, Chipotle. Why the fuck are you going to Chipotle? Chipotle sucks. No, you don't know the story with that? It's it's that you can get a ton of protein for $10. Oh, I am aware. Chipotle is still bad. <laughs> Listen, um, we all didn't have the we all didn't have the ability and the blessing to be in California and eat like real, yeah, real tacos. Real yeah, so <laughs> um, don't uh, take my Chipotle away from me. <laughs> they give you a lot of protein for that. Time. That they do. That's, that's the point. Um, my second question, and uh, I, I've raised this in a different way on the pod before. Um. If if the Mets instead of doing uh, uh, taking Wolf had gone into this with the total plan to get Allen and then grabbed say Noah Song for a hundred thousand dollars instead of Wolf, where would you rate Song in this system right now compared I, to? Wolf? I would have rather they'd done that. I mean, of course, and I don't think I oh, think yeah. you can't hold it against them because I don't think they knew this Allen situation I mean, was going to develop. There's also risk factors with Song that are, are unique. <laughs> like, yes. there's a good yes. chance he, you know, they're not going to be able to get that exemption. You know, absolutely, absolutely. But if it, I think if you knew beforehand that you were going to float Allen, doing make, the Song pick would have been better. And I'm still just curious, based purely on Song's skills, where you think he would have ranked in this system? For me, he would have been easily within the top ten. Yeah, I think so too. Right? Like he's better than Wolf. Yeah, I would have yeah. personally, looking at my my pref list, I would have put him above Peterson, probably below Vientos. 
I would have gone above the Well, uh, without discounting for the the military. I think you could make a very compelling argument for him to be between Batty and Vientos in either direction. I might yeah. even go above Batty. I think that might be higher. I think that's yeah. also fair. Noah's going to make the case to make him higher. Right. You you can make the case that he would been he would have been the highest ceiling person they got. Yep. Coming out of the coming. Yeah, out. I think, I, early I, think on I still like Alan a little better, but you you could you know I I understand where you would be coming from yeah, yeah, yeah. if you you didn't. That's like a convert like an actual like comparison I think. Noah Song's really really good. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Knowing the Mets though, if they went and got him, then he would not have gotten the exemption. Oh, the of Mets course not. The 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 uh, America would be going to war with Iran right now, and he would be killed. And that's mess. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! That got dark in a hurry. Yeah. So Josh Wolf. Um, so Josh Wolf. Look, I, I, I'm fine with Josh Wolf. It's just another high school arm lottery ticket. And if yeah. they want to trade him and someone else for the equivalent of Marcus Stroman in a couple of years, just like they yeah, did with SWR. Yeah, you do that nine times out of ten. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sometimes it's a prospects nine times out of ten. Sometimes it's a Sometimes the best – yeah, sometimes the best use of a prospect is in a trade for a known quantity. You know? Yeah, there was um, a different sport, obviously, but the Rangers GM was talking about that because they have a lot of prospects right now. And he was like, some prospects will help us by being Rangers and some will help us by getting guys who will be Rangers. And like – that's a good way of looking at it, I think, where sometimes, mm-hmm. like, the the point of the prospect is never to play for you. It's to help you get someone who will make you win, because that ma- like they that matters, too, in the long run, obviously. If only the Mets system was as prospect-laden as the Rangers system. Oh, exactly. But <laughs> two very opposite points. Yeah, then, then I would be on here incurring the wrath of, like... Jeff and everyone who follows him by saying I don't get it with Leotis Tavares, but that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, finish up then with another prospect that you don't get, Shavia Newton. <laughs> hey, no, I absolutely get Newton. I love Newton last year. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so Newton was um, signed as an IFA in 2015. Basically, the Mets gave two big bonuses to Andres Jimenez and Gregory Guerrero, and that ate into most of the money that they had. So the next biggest signing bonus that they gave after those two was $50,000, which is not a lot, and it was given to Newton, who was at the time a 16-year-old shortstop uh, from Curacao. Wasn't really impressive in his first year uh, in professional ball. But he was better in the second year, in 2017, and then he was promoted to Kingsport in 2018, and that was basically where he put himself on the map. He more than held his own in the Abbey. He hit 280, 408, 449 in 2018, and then last season, he was promoted to Columbia, and it did not go well at all. Um, he started the year with a shoulder injury, so that basically took a month that it took a month out of his season. And when he finally got on the field, he just basically struggled for the entire season. Maybe there was lingering issues from the shoulder issue. Maybe he was just, you know, overmatched by the guys in low A. Um, you know, a, a lot of guys in low A are those kind of advanced international dudes or like kind of college players so you know he may have been facing stuff that he'd never seen before maybe he was just kind of you know adapting to tweaks to his swing changes things like that that we don't really know about but whatever the case he did really bad um in 109 games he hit 209 283 330 and also the fact that Segra Park is, you know, uh, a good field for pitching. So that didn't help either. But, you know, he's a year older. But other than that, all of the stuff that made Newton, you know, a very intriguing prospect in 2018, all that stuff is still there. Um, he's still pretty lean and tall. So he, you know. Is probably going to add more mass. The power, which was his, you know, uh, main tool, still plenty of raw power. 
you know, the hit tool was kind of always lagged behind, and that obviously was the problem in 2019. We'll see how much that changes next season. Um, obviously, though, you know, it needs to improve because if you can't hit for average, then you're not going to hit for power. So, um, but on the other side, defensively, he has experience playing second, third, short, and he's pretty good everywhere. Um, he has quick twitch muscle, so you know he he's quick to react. He reads the ball off the bat well. His range is good. His arm is good, and you know all those are good. Uh, you know qualities for any part of the infield. And even if, let's say, you wanted to put him in the outfield, either permanently for whatever reason, or, you know, maybe as a kind of super sub kind of guy, he probably is athletic enough to survive in the outfield. You know, the arm is good enough for right, certainly for left, maybe not center field, but he could go in a corner in theory. So, yeah, I mean, nothing really has changed except for just, you know, a lot of adversity last season and another year older. He's not super old. But he is getting to the point now where you need to start seeing some results. And 2020 is going to be a, a big year for him. Um, if he does good, great. If he does bad, you know, I wouldn't write him off completely. But, you know, it's he's starting to come to that point where now you need to start seeing results. It's worth noting that shoulder injuries suck. Yeah. They're both hitters and pitchers. They're... Uh, I mean, outside of the totally fluky, non-usual family of baseball injuries, shoulder injuries are probably the worst thing to recover from. Yep. Maybe maybe an Achilles is worse, right? But that's not nearly as common. Uh, so, that, that, I mean, that's worth noting. Um, but he did have a lot of swing and miss issues before this season. Yeah, he strikes he's, out so much. And he's very, very raw. <laughs> And it makes sense that he's raw, given his background and everything. But at some point, like Steve said, he's going to have to hit. And um, at this point in time, I'm I'm not comfortable saying he's going to, you know. It's fair. It's fair. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, there's all, also a lot of upside here. There's a lot to like with Newton, you know. Yeah. But at some point, it needs to come together, and it hasn't yet. And, you know. He, like... Yeah. I hate saying this, but he has to make contact more, you know? Yeah, yeah that's a really tough thing to project. I know, yeah. Like, he just has to... Like, we, we talk, like, soft skills in baseball, you know? Yeah. Baseball-related skills. That That's one of the hardest. And, and, and I feel like that's such a... I don't know, like, it's not a helpful thing for me to say sitting here right now that, oh, just yeah. Just hit he, the ball more. Yeah, forehead. just hit the ball. Yeah, exactly. But, like, that's really what so the problem easy. is. So easy. You just solve baseball. <laughs> exactly. Like, just everyone needs to hit the wall when it's You could be Mike Trout with this one simple trick. <laughs> Doctors hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't click that link, kids. Gives you viruses. Like, he struck out 139 times in 109 Oof. games. <laughs> like, like that's a lot. Like, like, think, hey, and that was an improvement. Like, Early in the season, his, his strikeout rate was like fifty percent, and it went down as the season oh, yeah. went on. Exactly, and like I wouldn't be surprised if he hurt his shoulder, and then the Mets were like, "Yeah, it's fine now," but it actually probably wasn't. And <laughs> rub some dirt on it. Yeah, and he was that playing player a little... playing through injury. Where have we heard that? Well, right, every every time is where we've heard that one before. Right, exactly. Right. When you're a kid, and when you're hurt, and when you maybe are still hurt, and you're playing against better competition, it's a cocktail of just not a good season. So, I'm, I'm willing to hand wave away this previous season, um, but with the recognition, you know, basically as you know, injuries might have played a role. He's still very raw. Whatever. But at a certain point, it needs to happen, and it hasn't yet, and, yep. you know. Exactly. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you would hope that they, they, I don't know, I wonder how much he loses that power if you try to tweak the swing for more contact. Maybe it all goes away. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a, not a hitting coach, so. I also think it's worth noting that maybe we don't have this conversation about his shoulder if this is an organize, organization other than the Mets. That's oh, absolutely very true. But don't want to get too deep into it. <laughs> he w- he didn't go to like Barwis or anything on last offseason, did he? I mean, maybe. Who knows? Mm, not to my knowledge. 
I mean, baseball also as a sport is very difficult on your shoulders when you aren't doing things like uh, absolutely get the, yeah, thousand, thousands of pounds on your shoulders. Like, <laughs> and like his swing, like, like it's, it's, it's hard to say, but it's you know, very like when they, yes, exactly. When they say like Vladimir Guerrero had a violent swing, try, oh, try yeah. to try to like conceptualize that. And Newton has a, a violent swing like that. It, so, you know, a quote unquote violent swing is probably not. Uh, I, I don't know if you can quantify it, but it's you know possibly worse off for for the shoulder than mm. you know a less violent swing. That's just to me that's however logical. ergonomics like, work. Yeah, that that's just the logic behind like it looks like a lot more effort in it. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's absolutely fair. And also um, those swings are just not really what you want to teach. So maybe it's just something that got him this far and it can't get him any further. He's like he's Not- like that kid at T-ball who's just or or play or when you're playing wiffle ball in the backyard you're swinging as hard as you possibly can to get it over that the your neighbor's fence or whatever. Yeah. I I do so. It- it's not really a pitch recognition issue with him, is it? Because he still well, he he is not good at pitch re- pitch recognition either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so, just like like uh, Thomas pray... was saying before, it's just a cocktail of things. Yeah, in his case, it is really just a lot of different things. That I, I phrased that poorly. I was trying to say like his pitch recognition is not the weakest link. The, the he just does not have that bat to ball skill. Right. I think that if possible and i'm not a hit mechanic hitting mechanics are the most difficult thing for me as a person looking at players to kind of understand and conceptualize so i don't even know if this is possible but you know it would seem to me that if his swing was less violent and and he spent more you know time staying back because he does have good bat speed so if possible you know you have those milliseconds use them wisely if he could stay back longer, you know, he would he would make you know more time to see the ball and then hopefully better contact. But I don't know how you would teach that if you you know can even. Yeah, I know, I don't, I'm not I'm not totally out on him yet. I'm I'm still hoping because the physical skills are fun and the la- the performance last year was fun. So let's see what happens. Yeah, he's basically got a mulligan because of everything that happened. Mm-hmm. But it's put up a shut up time. Yeah, for sure. Where do, where do you think he certain... is this year? St. Lucie? <sighs> I would probably push him. I mean, I guess really there is no more, there is no real spot for him in Columbia anymore, assuming that oh. they send Brett Beatty up to Columbia, assuming they send Jalen Palmer up to Columbia. You know, you could have Newton be playing second base, but I feel like that's kind of wasting his his talents there. You might as well continue developing him as a shortstop. Uh, I don't know that I agree with that. I think I think or, or third talent. base, excuse me, also, which he played a lot because of Mauricio. But is it more uh, worth it for him to get his bat back? Right, right. I'd rather send him <laughs> to a level where his bat can can uh, adjust and worry about the defense later. Very true, also. And I imagine they're going to do Palmer at short and then Beatty at third. Um, and he plays second, yeah. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. That'd, that'd be, actually be a fun, be a fun infield. That'd, that'd be, be a, a lot in- of fun, yeah. Who would strike out more, Palmer or Newton? <sighs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, I was going to say, you, you think Newton strikes out a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Weather, weather pattern changes around the ballpark with those two in the lineup. <laughs> Also, it would be a fun thing in Colombia to have a team to like care about, kind of, because they were just something else last year. Let me phrase that another way. It'd be nice to have a team that doesn't suck. Yes, I was <laughs> trying to be nice, but <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> fifty-two and eighty-four last year, which is oh, not what you sign up for in the beginning. I watched a lot of those games, cool. man. It was so bad, so bad. There you go. Colombia lost again. There were times What's doing new? recaps where it's just like, oh, 13 nothing. They got one hit. <laughs> oh. And you're and you're writing the recaps and you're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure the entire homestand that I went to last year, seven games, and they won one of them. So, Oof. Yeah. Oof. yeah. And that was Big. their 
That was their third highest winning streak of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, I haven't done this yet because, you know, I've only been doing farm reports for so long. But at some point, I'm going to want to write one of those games up just with the not great Bob gif. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I, Hey, if I'm being honest, are you I, cool with that? <laughs> we, we should totally do take more liberties with farm reports. Like, it gets there, slow through the middle of the season. You spice it up a little bit. There definitely have been times where, especially with Las Vegas, given the fact that you know they would end their game oh at my god one thirty two in the morning, that I would just be like, yeah, so they played a game and they won, or they played a game and they lost, whatever. Pete Alonso hit a home run. The end. That was Vegas, it. <laughs> Vegas won. The end. Pete Alonso and like 12 other dudes hit home runs because it's Las Vegas. <laughs> at least, None at of least, the pitchers at least we had. Him. At least we had Pete Alonso. I mean, I'm talking like Alan Dykstra hit a home run. Yeah. The end. Uh, uh, 35-year-old Aaron Harang pitched. He <laughs> gave up 10 uh, runs. <laughs> I'm trying Wait, was Dykstra the first baseman I'm thinking of that we always wanted to see get a chance and then they traded him to the Padres instead? Or is that someone else? Uh, pretty sure that was Dykstra. Well, that it was, was Dykstra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. He is, yeah, with the Padres. Good times. But, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, when, when Columbia is bad, when any of these teams are bad, when St. Lucie is bad, they're very bad, feel free. <laughs> to spice things up. Uh, all right, one eighteen twenty. We have authorization for gifs in the farm report. Repeat. We have authorization for gifs in the farm report. Everybody heard me. Uh huh. G- given given that there's no such given that gif is peanut butter and gif no, it's is pronounced <laughs> gif. Uh huh. Uh-huh. We've had this fight before. <laughs> we will have this fight until the end of time. All right. Well, how about all of our listeners out there? Send us emails or send us Twitter. Tell us um, how to pronounce GIF. Yes, go ahead. We'll see who we'll see who wins. Uh, <laughs> you could e- although if they're texting us or emailing us, they'll just say GIF and then that doesn't really help. Aha! Mm, the question will never be solved. But you can email us at from complex to queens at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter and send us comments there. I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at lvlahos343, Ken is at ken1191, and Thomas is at sadmetsseasonszn. And he's also going to be running for Mets manager in 2020, <laughs> so we wish you well, Thomas. But only if you also follow at Rich Staff. <laughs> God, again with this? It's the bit that will never die, Lucas. <laughs> we need to get him verified first. That, that is that is my goal. I want Ken Rosenthal retweeting Rich. <laughs> That'll be the day. Well, subscribe to our podcast. Um, if you, we produce content like this, though, then don't subscribe to our podcast. Um, rate and review it, though. Game. That is true. Uh, we will be back next week, though. More uh, top, top prospects in 2020. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.